a fire on the mountain burning out of control. The sky set ablaze in all its red and gold. The temperature's rising and the wind is blowing hot. We gotta turn this ship around before we run aground. We gotta turn this ship around before we run aground. Welcome to Off the Record with Paul Hodes here on WKXLM and FM. Streamed live over the interwebs at nhtalkradio.com, where you can listen to us for your binge listening pleasure. We are brought to you by the Birches at Concord, New Hampshire's first assisted living community, designed specifically for those living with Alzheimer's, dementia, or other forms of memory impairment. You can join a tour and celebrate life with the Birches by calling 2249111. And this holiday season, we're brought to you by our special holiday sponsor, Gibson's Bookstore in downtown Concord, New Hampshire. They have books and games and toys and wonderful things for every member of your family and all your friends. This holiday season, come on down to Gibson's and do some holiday shopping Whichever holiday you fancy. Well, I came in singing a little song just now, and Chris Ryan said, I can't sing it any longer. Can't do it. Can't do it. Can't do it. I was singing the song, Baby, It's Cold Outside. And let me be controversial for a moment. I, I'm not sure. I, I, I'm all for Me Too, and I'm all for high standards of conduct. But I'm not sure that the little ditty, Baby It's Cold Outside, a little Christmas holiday jazzy tune, really needs to be verboten, taken off the air, prohibited, not sung, um, because of any implications. Because, I, let's face it, I'm a musician. And in my experience, almost every song that, that I sing and a lot of songs that I write and a lot of songs that I play have to do with the subject of love in all its forms. Now, love, loosely translated, means in a larger context the relationship between people. Let's focus for just a moment on relationships between men and women. In the great panoply, the full spectrum of talking about love songs, there are a large percentage, a large number of love songs that have to do with the intimate relations, with the back and forth, with the attraction or non-attraction, with the attempts to attract or not attract, with the physical contact or non-physical contact between men and women. I put Baby It's Cold Outside in that great spectrum. Are we at a point, and I don't mean to be either misogynistic or Luddite, or too old, or anything else. But are we at a point? Are we at a point where a little jazzy tune like Baby It's Cold Outside can't be played or sung because it is somehow offending a notion of relationships that we should have between men and women as opposed to the relationships that exist between men and women. I don't know what to say. I didn't come in here planning. I planned to talk about Michael Cohen and maybe we will and sentencing memorandums and impeachments and indictments, but this really is a subject that needs to be discussed. Chris Ryan joins me. What's your opinion, Chris? 
I am a big fan of the First Amendment. And uh, I believe that the more conversation that takes place, the better. When it's done in a way that is uh, full of uh, you know, vitriol and hate and when words are used to hurt um, as opposed to have discussion, you know, that's when you start to uh, get into areas that are problematic. In this particular instance, um, Baby, it's cold it is a, in my view, this is a song that where a, a man is trying to cajole a female to stay with them and to whatever after that. And um, there is no, you know, overt uh, messages. There is not anything where uh, he is, you know, trying to um, express dominance in any way over the female. Uh, the female is is stating that, uh, you know, they she really shouldn't, and he is just kind of continuing along the line of, of questioning um, and trying to... You know, convince uh, is a little. There, therein lies the Me Too rub, right? Because when does no mean no? And right. in this song, the offensive part apparently is that no is not taken as no, and the cajoling continues. Right, and I and I see that, and I and I understand that, but it's it's also not a you know a no, I'm leaving. And then him blocking the blocking the door. It's a well, you know this and this and this. It is a it is a it is a back and forth that is existing. It is a cajoling that is taking place on both sides. Give and take, cat mouse. It is not anything that is um, you know overt in that. No, uh, David. It may be cold outside, but I'm leaving. That to me is the end. And then when you're like, well. You know, maybe you should stay, and then and then then you're kind of going a little bit too far. But there, it was it to me. Then that, an, we're in a dangerous area now that you song. brought me into. It's, it's an, an old, old song. It's an old song. But you think about all the songs which are which are done, like the Stones song, the whole catalog gone. I mean, the catalog, <laughs> Rolling Stones gone. gone. Okay, can't exist anymore. Rolling Stones gone. Um, who else? I mean, um, you can think. You can go of there anybody? Lo- lots and lots of rock and roll gone. Done. Rock and roll's dead. Can't be played. Rock and roll can't cannot exist in the now, Me Too era. You know, listen. I ran into a uh, situation in my. I have a geezer band called Calamity Jane. I'm having a great time playing with Calamity Jane. We're going to be back in the spring in the Concord area. In fact, we'll be playing. Uh, in um, April in at Area 23, and that's great. And in my band... There Once you all get back from Florida and... Yeah, uh, everybody will be... No, I'm not going to Florida. Let me just tell you, I'm <laughs> staying right here on WKXL. But but I have a female... There's a female member of my band who's a terrific singer, a terrific songwriter, terrific performer. And I wrote a song in the tradition of Chuck Berry, now, there's a misogynist for you. I wrote a Chuck Berry-type song about an automobile. And it was a semi-suggestive automobile-type song in the vein of Chuck Berry and a huge, long tradition of blues singers who sing songs that whose lyrics are about one thing, but which could be taken as suggestive of another. And I got major pushback. The name of my song was and is Pretty Little Girl. Um, She's my pretty little girl, and I love her four on the floor. I mean, um, she's my pretty little girl, and I love it when she gives me what for. So the lyrics, I admit, 
I fully admit I take complete ownership of the fact that the lyrics are double entendre lyrics and my well-respected, highly qualified, professional uh, female vocalist refused and refuses to perform the song. Now, I don't know whether that would have happened a couple of years ago. I don't know whether or not I've crossed the threshold in writing a blues-type Chuck Berry tune with suggestive double entendre lyrics. But at what point in the pursuit of artistic expression and free artistic expression, including singing treasured chestnuts from the Christmas catalog, of jazzy Christmas tunes like Baby It's Cold Outside. When where where's the line? How do we draw the line and and what's no longer possible and why? I mean, is there is a there's a huge difference between Harvey Weinstein and what what he may be guilty of, depending on what the evidence shows, et cetera, et cetera, and singing Baby It's Cold Outside. Is this a case where people fear that singing Baby It's Cold Outside supports a culture of male oppression of females, of male domination, of refusing to understand that no means no? Is that is that the world yes. we're in? Yes. That, that, people are offended by the song for that reason and um again you know i i feel that uh it's indicative of an era that that took place in the past i feel it's uh indicative of the type of back and forth and cajoling that uh exists between male and female where you know the uh there is a an element of of doubt about whether you should stay and you throw a couple things uh, out there you know, your problem is you're just old-fashioned old you're out of step with the times we just need to admit that most of most of the songs we've sung in the past you can't sing them anymore can't do it we're gonna have to write new songs we're gonna have to write new songs for the me too Generation. Well, let's just turn our attention briefly, however, to politics, because this week was an interesting week. Um, one of the great things that happened was that Michael Cohen got a sentencing memoranda from the federal government, and it detailed his crimes, his lies, his lack of cooperation, and it talked about, however, something very, very important for the current occupant of the White House, because it detailed a series of uh, crimes that are fel felonies that have to do with misuse of campaign funds, failure to report campaign activities, and, and felonies involving campaigns. It, it laid out the case that Donald Trump uh, directed and authorized Michael Cohen to make payments from a front corporation, to use a corporation to make payments, to keep the silence of, of the two women who alleged that they had affairs with him in pursuit of the presidency. So these are serious crimes. If nothing else, uh, they are, it, it details criminal activity and a conspiracy by the president to commit uh, felonies. In addition, the sentencing memorandum from Michael Cohen lays out clearly that throughout the campaign and perhaps even during the transition and who knows yet how far into his presidency, Donald Trump was engaged in making or trying to make deals with Russia. 
um, not just any kind of deal and not just business deals, but deals with the Kremlin in which he was trying to build a Trump Tower and he wanted to give Vladimir Putin a $50 million penthouse. Now, this is all laid out in excruciating detail. The Democrats have taken a rather reserved approach. Adam Schiff and Jerry Nadler, Adam Schiff on the Intelligence Committee, the congressman, and Congressman Jerry Nadler, uh, who is uh, the incoming leader, the incoming head of the Judiciary Committee, which would have to draft articles of impeachment, have been relatively restrained and reserved, but have said that if true, this these could be impeachable offenses. They certainly, uh, conspiracy to commit a felony uh, on the campaign violations well, certainly seems to qualify as a high crime or misdemeanor. However, the real deeper issue is that Russia thing, the thing where Trump has repeatedly said no collusion, and the sentencing memorandum squarely puts Trump talking to the Kremlin about giving favors to the Kremlin in exchange for business deals at a time when the Kremlin was masterminding the, upper mi- the undermining of the presidential election of 2016 with a view towards putting Donald Trump into the White House. I think it's real trouble for the carrot top cantaloupe. Yeah, I think collusion and corruption are going to be the two big themes for uh, Democrats as they pursue impeachment of Donald Trump in the next uh, year. I think that the um, the Mueller report is going to lay out uh, both. I think that they're also going to uh, use their subpoena power to um, look into uh, violations potentially of the Emoluments Clause. Uh, I think that those are going to be the directions that are headed in, but they're going to, as you noted, and Chris Pappas has mentioned, Andy Custer has mentioned, our two members of Congress, they're going to wait on the Mueller investigation. They want to make sure that this investigation um, appears and perhaps is in actuality one driven by facts as opposed to politics, and uh, they need the facts to line up before they um, you know, do anything. Now, remember, folks, impeachment is not been used very often. Andrew Johnson uh, was uh, impeached. The impeachment proceedings were brought in the House of Representatives, which is charged under the Constitution with bringing articles of impeachment. Uh, He resigned before impeachment could be tried in the Senate. Remember how the rules go. The House of Representatives brings articles of impeachment like it was a criminal indictment. The case is tried in the United States Senate. Two-thirds majority must vote for impeachment, and the proceedings are presided over by the Chief Justice of the United States to remove the conflict of interest that might otherwise occur for the vice president of the United States. And remember that in the Clinton matter, he was impeached by the House for allegedly lying under oath and for obstruction of justice about a what might be considered a private uh, consensual sexual affair. What we're talking about here, however, is something far different, far more serious for our democratic institutions. We are talking about the potential for conspiratorial collusion between the President of the United States and a foreign adversary um, who had the goods on him in terms of business dealings and uh, for whom he was willing to say and do things that 
undermined the integrity of our electoral system and who knows may have had a lot to do with putting him in the White House. This is serious business and it's going to reach a place where a bipartisan group of both Congress members of Congress in the House and the Senate are going to have to confront what 44 members former members of the Senate just wrote to their colleagues to say, this is an inflection point in our history. We uh, are at risk of the entire fabric of our democracy, everything that it's been built on. We have collusion and corruption at the highest level. I think you make a key point in regards to bipartisanship. Uh, Obviously, Democrats do not need uh, any Republicans to impeach the President of the United States in the House, but in actuality, they do. Uh, it is best for our country. It is best for uh, the institution um, to have Republicans on board. And obviously, on the Senate side, you are in the need of quite a few Republicans if, in fact, there's going to be a conviction. Look, m- our listeners know that I have not been shy in terms of making fun, in terms of uh, t- funny accents, in terms of all kinds of things that are kind of humorous in, when I've talked about what what has gone on in the White House. This is a very serious bit of business that happens to be dropping on us at the holiday season. And it's a serious bit of business because now all the supposition that I and others have voiced about what we thought uh, was had taken place is in fact coming into a very sharp evidentiary focus. And that focus is such, and it is serious enough that uh, as we've just said, it's it needs to be inescapable for Republicans in the House and the Senate. It needs to be inescapable that corruption and collusion have occurred before uh, impeachment is going to go forward and be successful. And a huge piece in all of this is the American people. The American people are the ones who are supposed to be a check and balance as well on their elected officials. And it is incumbent upon them to rise as one and demand of Republicans um, that they, uh, if the evidence indicates that um, there is necessary, it is necessary to impeach and convict, that they do so. And that is their role as um, in this process as well. I'm giving Chris Ryan the last word. This is Paul Hodes on Off the Record on WKXL AM and FM, streamed live over the Internet at nhtalkradio.com. And brought to you by the Birches at Concord, New Hampshire's first assisted living community designed specifically for those living with Alzheimer's, dementia, or other forms of memory impairment. You can join a tour and celebrate life at the Birches by calling 224-9111. And we're brought to you this holiday season by Gibson's Bookstore in downtown Concord, New Hampshire on the beautifully renovated south end of town. Books, toys, games and comfortable surroundings for your holiday shopping. This holiday season, for everyone on your list, stop in at Gibson's Bookstore. This is Off the Record with Paul Hodes. We'll be back after this. Welcome back to Off the Record with Paul Hodes here on WKXL AM and FM, streamed live over the internet at nhtalkradio.com, where you can find our shows archived for your binge listening pleasure. We're brought to you by the Birches at Concord, New Hampshire's first assisted living community, designed specifically for those living with Alzheimer's, dementia, or other forms of memory impairment. You can join a tour and celebrate life at the Birches by calling 224-9111. And this holiday season, we're also 
brought to you by Gibson's Bookstore in downtown Concord. Books, toys, and games, and a warm, inviting atmosphere for all your holiday shopping. This holiday season, stop in to Gibson's Books and make somebody happy with the gift of intelligence. Well, I'm very pleased to welcome a special guest to Off the Record. Ted Blatchley is here. Ted is an extraordinary craftsman. He's been a woodworker and furniture maker for over 40 years uh, and has been a juried member of the League of New Hampshire Craftsmen since 1989. He was intimately involved in the formation of the Guild of New Hampshire Woodworkers, where he met famed woodworker Jerry Osgood in 1990. Uh, He had worked with Jerry Osgood in 1995. He was an invited artist in the inaugural exhibition of the New Hampshire Furniture Masters Association and has been an active member since the group's inception. Ted, welcome to Off the Record. Thank you for having me. Well, it's, um, it's, I'm particularly delighted to be able to talk to you and talk about the red carpet show that the Furniture Masters will hold on December 14th, Friday, from 5 to 7 at the Furniture Masters Gallery at 49 South Main Street in Concord, New Hampshire. Um, And one of the reasons I'm particularly happy to have you is that I love things that are made of wood. I think it is just one of the incredible accomplishments of humankind to be able to take a material like wood, which grows, and fashion it into something not just useful, but also extraordinarily beautiful. I've been to your website. I've seen the gallery of your work. And for those of you who are listening, I encourage you to visit Ted Blatchley's website. You can find it with a Google search, um, and you will see just an extraordinary gallery of the most beautiful and useful things. Desks, cabinets, music stands of grace and art, of delicacy and strength, fashioned with the the obvious care and skill of a great artist. So I'm, I, I, I bow to you for being just a wonderful artist and craftsman. Well, thank you very much, and, and you're hired uh, to, to promote the work. I appreciate it. I well, appreciate I'd be, all your comments. I would be happy to. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I for years I collected little boxes made of wood because yeah. it's about all I could afford. My parents, uh, my mother especially, were very fond of antiques, and I've got some... Uh, hand-me-downs, but some really beautiful older pieces that were done uh, in a previous era of great cra- era of great craftsmanship um, in the 18th century. Uh, but we are now undergoing clearly a renaissance of craftsmanship in this country, and you are at the forefront. Well, uh, yeah, wood, it's wood is a wonderful material, and there's there's so many different things it can offer and. Um, if you were to go to our gallery exhibit, um, you'll see a range of, uh, of work by 10 different makers, and they're all stylistically very different in their approach. And uh, so it's, it's uh, kind of like a smorgasbord of styles down there. But uh, we all, um, you know, hold dear 
um, the care and uh, craftsmanship that to go in that goes into these pieces. It's something. It's a common thread. Well, there, it's it's something that uh, is recognized throughout the country. There is a there's a magazine available on newsstands called Fine Woodworking. Yes. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if your work has has been featured. I've been in there a few times. Yes. Yeah. So and and fine woodworking. There are a lot of you know hobby hobbyists who really care about working working with wood. They would have an awful lot to learn from you. I'm I'm curious. Your style is is not exactly whimsical, but it does combine extraordinary delicacy. If I look at the at the shape uh, of your legs and the way you craft legs, both for for grace and for strength, um, it's very unique. You have a sense of curvature, which is really wonderful. Um, uh, I, 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 had, I didn't see a lot of pieces that were, you know, like sort of straight adaptations of, of traditional pieces. I saw a lot of inventiveness, a little bit of whimsy, I'd say. I guess I will say a little bit of whimsy and um, beautiful finishes. So I'm curious Tell, talk a little bit about your own influences in woodworking and how your style evolved and developed. Well, uh, when you're starting out, you do look at other styles and you may gravitate towards, uh, you know, in my case, I, I lo- always loved old New England work, but I also love Scandinavian design and uh, also Japanese uh, work. But what happens is after a while, you sort of develop your own design language. And so one of the things I'm really after uh, is, uh, you know, beauty. And it may be my idea of of what beauty is. And, um, uh, you know, it does employ simple curves, not overdone curves. Um, I said before, wood is a wonderful material, so even in, in the surface... The surfaces are also curved a little bit because it it just has the ability to draw you in. So uh, you know, there's there's a lot of composing that you can do with the different wood grains, and um, so uh, you know, I think at this point, um, you know, I just keep tweaking some of the same things that are in what I call my design language, and, and uh, uh, that's kind of how it works. Well, it's a very individual design language, of course. I mean, the the show that's coming up on Friday is a collection of studio furniture made by members of the New Hampshire Furniture, furniture Masters, 10 fine furniture masters in one location. All the items there are for sale. There's going to be a special Meet the Masters holiday reception on Friday, December 14th from 5 to 7 at the gallery in Concord. There'll be the furniture. There'll be the masters. There's going to be some food and beverages. And the show is on display after that until March 11th, 2019, with gallery hours from 830 to 5. So for anybody who can't make the opening night of the reception on Friday, uh, don't worry. You will have plenty of opportunities to to see this extraordinary collection of furniture. 
How do you go about choosing the wood for your projects? And uh, are your projects mostly by commission? I guess it's two questions. Uh, Are they mostly commissioned? um, And how do you go about choosing the wood? Um, Well, it's actually a a mix of uh, commission work and uh, and and uh, and it's always good to do the speculative um, exhibition pieces because it gives you a chance t- to branch out. Um, and often uh, I I have a number of clients that come back and order a second and third and fourth piece, and so uh, they've become familiar with my design language. So often, you know, I'm I'm given uh, kind of I don't want to say free reign, but um, uh, the chance to, to, to make something that's uh, uh, to my design liking. And, and actually the conversations between when you're making something for somebody are, are a very important, important part of the process. Um, as far as selecting the wood, um, gosh, I, 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 I am pretty, uh, pretty careful um, about doing that and I've looked at so many different types of wood throughout my career um, from old uh, antique pine paneling in, in, in old cape houses and, and uh, you know with weather beaten pat- uh, patina you know right up to the highly figured woods and, and um, so so their characteristics are they're so different. It's not just the way they look. It's not just the, um, their figure, but the way they work um, that you just become tuned into. So I think any of us uh, in the group who have been working with the material a long time, you, you develop a you know, real appreciation for what it can offer. And so... Uh, um, when I'm going through a pile of boards, I can size them up pretty quickly. I mean, I, I just, you know, I've You develop a, an eye. I, I guess, yes, I guess you could say that. Yeah. We're talking with Ted Blatchley, one of New Hampshire's preeminent furniture masters. Ted's work, along with nine other New Hampshire furniture masters, will be on display at the Furniture Masters Gallery, 49 South Main Street in Concord, this Friday and then thereafter as a show. Uh, this is Off the Record with Paul Hodes on WKXLAM and FM, streamed live over the Internet and brought to you by the Birches at Concord, New Hampshire's first assisted living community designed specifically for those living with Alzheimer's, dementia, or other forms of memory impairment. You can join a tour and celebrate life at the Birches by calling 224-9111. And we're brought to you this holiday season by Gibson's Bookstore on downtown Concord on our fabulously renovated South End. Books, toys, and games for Everyone on your holiday shopping list, stop in to the warm, inviting Gibson's Bookstore this holiday season. We'll take a short break, and we'll be back after this.
We're back. It's Off the Record with Paul Hodes here on WKXLAM and FM, streamed live over the internet at nhtalkradio.com. We're also a podcast on Google and Stitcher and iTunes. You can find us all over the web for your binge listening pleasure. We're brought to you by the Birches at Concord, New Hampshire's first assisted living community, designed specifically for those living with Alzheimer's, dementia, or other forms of memory impairment. You can join a tour and celebrate life. Life of the Birches by calling 224-9111. And this holiday season, we're very pleased to be brought to you by Gibson's Bookstore in downtown Concord, New Hampshire. They feature books and toys and games and a very warm and inviting atmosphere for you and everyone on your holiday shopping list. In a world punctuated by screens and other electronic devices, Stop in this holiday season at Gibson's Bookstore and buy a book. It really makes a lot of sense and opens up your mind. Uh, So I'm back with Ted Blatchley, one of New Hampshire's preeminent furniture masters, a member of the New Hampshire Furniture Masters. We've been talking about his extraordinary woodwork uh, and uh, his uh, inclusion in a show starting this Friday at the Furniture Masters Gallery at 49 South Main Street in Concord. Come on down for light beverages and a little bit of food and fabulous furniture, artistic, useful, extraordinary in the New Hampshire tradition. New Hampshire, Ted, has long been a home for beautiful crafts. It's really one of the the signatures of our state. Yes, of course, the League of New Hampshire Craftsmen is, you know, they must be up around 80 years and uh, uh, going strong. Um, And our group, the the Furniture Masters, uh, formed around 1993 uh, when there's some business people in Concord and John Frisbee, who was at the New Hampshire Historical Society, uh, recognized that that there were... Uh, a number of uh, nationally uh, known makers in the state. So the, the concept for forming, forming the group was to uh, form an organization and uh, put on an event, uh, and they wanted to make a name for the state uh, to bring people to the state uh, to appreciate this type of work. And and the master, furniture masters have been going strong since 1993 and those who are featured as New Hampshire furniture masters really are the at the top of the game. Um yeah, they they've been most members have been working for well over 10 years. Uh we do uh we do have a an emerging artist category so we try to uh you know, help young artists that are uh, and furniture makers who, um, you know, show promise or dedication, and uh, um, that's that's done uh, in a number of different ways by exhibiting their work. We also have a scholarship program called the Alden Artist Advancement Scholarship, where uh, uh, young people can apply um, for a grant to exhibit with us and and be promoted in our annual catalog. So I want to just return to your process for a moment because I'm I'm fascinated about how it works. I'm I'm a guitarist and I am too. 
and uh, I love um, uh, all varieties. I mean, I've I've got um, I've got a a few guitars, and some of them are acoustic, and some of them are electric, and every single one they're all they're all different shapes, and every one of them sounds different. Every one of them plays differently. Every one of them is they're they're similar construction construction methods uh, for guitar. Um, but they're um, beautiful to me. I think they're 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 works works of art. And compared to some of what I've seen in your gallery and actually seen your work exhibited from place to place, I haven't been able yet to afford one of your one of your pieces. But uh, guitars seem relatively simple by comparison to what it takes to put together one of your pieces, whether it's a dresser or a table, um, uh, a music stand. Uh, it, guitars are relatively simple in the ways of constructing guitars. In terms of a jazz guitar, they're actually carved, uh, but a lot of modern guitars are factory finished by CNC machines. They're cut out by computers. I'm betting you don't use much computer work in your, in your, in your lexicon. I I don't, uh, um, and again, I've been sort of, sort of set in my ways. I, I don't need to go out and be adding more tools, but there are some young folks in the, in the group that do employ this CNC uh, milling and, and uh, people that do some drafting with the CAD programs. Uh, I'm, uh, personally, I don't... Uh, get into that I, I'm I'm a sketch sketch the piece out and and make a full-scale mock-up if need be to what do you make the mock-up from oh I'll make it out of uh, like framing lumber um, two by sixes I will buy at the lumber yard it's inexpensive and I, um, I rough out say a leg shape just to sort of test the shaping and and uh, to, and to actually experience the piece in a full scale as opposed to a small model and it's very you know uh, it's very valuable uh, way of evaluating it's what it's kind of like an architect who doesn't work on a full scale model but will use cardboard or balsa wood or some other materials to create a model of uh, a building that they've designed mm, yeah um, yeah I, I Typically, furniture is smaller than buildings, so um, I I will do a full scale because that's where you really get the good information, and and these things are just uh, you know roughly made and shaped and put together with screws, but you just want to get the get the feel of a piece, how it's going to feel before you start start sinking your saw into you know some expensive wood. So uh, a lot of decisions are made along the way. And if you're working on a commission piece, will you show the your client the mock-up and your sketches? Um, yes, yes, certainly. Uh, some sometimes, uh, um, yes, certainly uh, to do that. You know, uh, take pictures and then email them photos. I have a really good camera that I can take close-ups with, and even simple things like a table edge shape you know I can photo and and shoot down to a uh, someone I'm making a piece for to so 
once you have done your sketching and your mock-ups and you have an idea of where you're headed, you've got to choose your wood. And we talked a little bit about that earlier in terms mm-hmm. of the different kinds of wood. For example, the music stand that's featured on your site has beautiful, graceful legs that uh, I think are cherry. And it looks like the uh, place that holds the music is cherry with maybe an ash or maple uh, cross cross pieces, but they're not ordinary. They are also curved on on the on the stand on the stand itself. So there are there are curves in all this. In guitar world, my guitar world, there's a you know a premium often placed um, tops, for example, of a Les Paul Gibson Les Paul guitar can be made out of beautiful uh, uh, figured uh, maple. Um, and people look for the maple, but they go a little bit further in, in, a, in a guitar. If you're making a fine jazz guitar, you have to tap tune the top. Once you've carved it out, the, the really expert makers will then tap it to make sure the resonance and frequency. Mm-hmm. Now, you're not dealing with the sound, but I bet your approach in terms of furniture has a similar care in the particular piece of wood and how it's going to sit. For example, you may choose a different wood for the top of a chest of drawers than you would for the back. Oh, certainly. And, you know, just to backtrack a little, uh, you know, guitar making is is a whole other area or school of thought. Um, I, I wouldn't, you mentioned before that, oh, it's simple compared to what we do, but it's it's just another uh, way of working, and they have all their, uh, you know, the science behind what they do and the artist, artistry behind what they do. So, um, you know, it's a respected field. I, I myself have, a, you know, a 1969 Martin guitar, but I don't work on it. I, I take it to, you know, an expert repairman when it needs something done. Uh, um, I, I may do minor things, but I'm smart enough to know that it's a separate field. Uh, We're talking with Ted Blatchley, a New Hampshire furniture master here on Off the Record with Paul Hodes on WKXL AM and FM. And we're inviting you to join Ted and nine other furniture masters on December 14th at the Red Carpet Show. Meet the Masters Holiday Reception, 5 to 7 p.m. at the Furniture Masters Gallery at 49 South Main Street in Concord, New Hampshire. The show will then continue and be on display until March 11, 2019, so you can enjoy this throughout the winter. Ted, thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciated our conversation. I did too, Paul. Thank you. We're brought to you by the Birches at Concord, New Hampshire's first assisted living community, designed specifically for those living with Alzheimer's, dementia, or other forms of memory impairment. You can join a tour and celebrate life at the Birches, calling 224-9111. And we're brought to you by the... Gibson's Bookstore in downtown Concord, New Hampshire, with books, toys, and games for everyone on your holiday list. Don't go away. We'll be back to wrap up this edition of Off the Record after this.
Welcome back to Off the Record with Paul Hodes here on WKXLAM and FM, streamed live over the internet, archived at nhtalkradio.com for your binge listening pleasure. Brought to you by the Birches at Concord, New Hampshire's first assisted living community designed specifically for those living with Alzheimer's, dementia, or other forms of memory impairment. Join a tour, celebrate life at the Birches, call 224-9111, and we're brought to you this holiday season by Gibson's Bookstore in downtown Concord, New Hampshire, with books, toys, and games for everyone on your holiday shopping list. Well, Chris Ryan and I had an interesting segment to top the show off. We talked about the Me Too movement and music. How do they go together? Well, because there's been an outcry over playing Baby It's Cold Outside. It's been verboten, prohibited. It's off the airwaves. Nobody will play it because it's offensive in the Me Too moment. But what happens to the rest of the American Music Songbook? What happens to the rest of the catalog of rock and roll? Where do the Rolling Stones go in the Me Too movement? Folks, we've got trouble in River City. It's As a musician, I'm mourning what I can and can't play any longer. And then we turned our attention to the big eye, impeachment and perhaps indictment for the current occupant of the White House. We had a great talk with Ted Blatchley about the New Hampshire Furniture Masters and their event this Friday, 5 to 7 p.m. at the Furniture Masters Gallery, 49 South Main Street in Concord. It's Off the Record with Paul Hodes. Thanks to our great sponsors. Thanks to you all for listening. Stay warm here on WKXL AM and FM.